All right. So what I wanted to talk to you about today, and like I said before, just stop me at any time if you have a question or it doesn't make sense, is a book that um, we've been reading through in the Diocese of Prince Albert anyway, uh, by Sherry Waddell called Forming Intentional Disciples. She's an American author, but you can also find uh, there's a Canadian priest from out east. Uh, the book is called Divine Renovation. And um, uh, what's his name? Cameron? Cameron finished reading that book, so that's why I was hoping he was here today. He could help me with some of those. I haven't finished that one yet. Uh, it's kind of similar, except what I find in Forming Intentional Disciples is it gives you like a step-by-step of evangelization, of reaching out to people that have, that God has, they have fallen away from God in their lives. So like I mentioned, that's your children and your grandchildren. Um, so the bad news I have is that I'm going to, when I tell you all about this stuff, I'm going to suggest that first, you try it out on people in town, non-relatives, okay? Like, don't go crazy and, and think that when you leave here in a half an hour that all of a sudden your, your, your grandkids are never going to leave church again, right? Just try it out maybe on some people in town, like acquaintances, okay? So Sherry Waddell talks about... Um, uh, goes through the book and it's uh, the first chapter is called God has no grandchildren. What do you think that means? God has no grandchildren. Yeah, we're all God's children, right? Pardon? First generation. We think in multiple generations, don't we? We say I'm a third generation a uh, person from Rose Valley, right? My great-grandfather, my great... Right? Stuff like that, hey? God doesn't think that way. So our grandchildren are still the children of God. And if our grandchildren are the children of God, then our grandchildren are our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Kind of a neat way to think of it. And so they're not like these kids that we have to tell everything about life. They're our brother and sister. They're our peer. When we sang that song at the beginning, uh, our church, it said, in this, on this holy ground, we're all the same. In the Bible, it says there's no, neither Jew or Greek, male or female, um, that we're all the same in Christ Jesus. Um, so the point of that is, is that we need to quit te- treating people like little kids and, and just kind of figure out where they're at in their faith journey, in their journey. So that's chapter one. God has no grandchildren. Uh, we, every generation, we have to pass down that faith then. Uh, we treat, they're, they're God's children. And it also means that there is no such a thing anymore as a cultural Catholic. I'm surprised. I was waiting for one of you to say when I said, why do you go to church? I was waiting for one of you to say, well, because that's what Catholics do, right? I'm Catholic. I go to church. My mom went to church. My my mom's mom. There came a point in my life, and maybe I didn't make this clear enough in my story yesterday, 
where I now was choosing to go to church because of me. I know my mom brought me to church, but I had to make that choice. If I didn't, my faith would not be my own. It would be my mother's. And I've met Catholics today who have gone to church for 50, 60 years. And when I ask them, why do they go to church? They say, well, because I'm Catholic, because my, my mom brought me to church. They've been going by themselves for 50 years or, you know, like they're, um, they've been going their whole life. And still, that's the only reason they can give of why they go to church until we make it our faith, our own. Uh, and that's what God has no grandchildren. It's not that we just pass on this uh, cultural reality, but that it has to be rediscovered as well. And then she talks about, um, uh, in the book, she talks about the five thresholds that we all go through. A threshold is kind of like a stage or a journey of life that we pass through. And these, these journeys help us to get closer to God. And the way we know what stage we're on is we have to tell our story. So I need you, I need you to make yourself vulnerable. Find a friend. You know, it doesn't have to be a spouse. Find a, a trusted Catholic friend and tell them about your faith story. I don't mean your church story. I don't mean your story about where you uh, moved and grew up, but how has God worked in your life through the years? You opened up the Bible, and this is what you discovered, right? Stuff like that. And uh, until we know what part, where we are on our journey of faith, we'll never know where other people are on their journey of faith. So Sherry Waddell identifies five stages. She calls them thresholds that we all go through. And it's interesting because nobody considers faith a, th- a, a, a journey, a stage, do we? We talk about uh, our pilgrim journey at Mass all the time. We talk about how life is a journey, but we never think about how there's stages to that journey. In uh, in our physical life, there's stages, right? There's birth, toddler, adolescence, or I don't know. I might, I don't, I don't know this one, but adolescence, there's adulthood and middle age, uh, retirement, right? And then the golden years, right? That's, I think that's what, I think that's how it goes. Well, aren't the, if there's a stage of life, isn't there a stage of faith too then? Well, what stage are we on? Do And does stage, like our stages of our life are kind of inevitable? Like I don't get to choose to stay in adolescence? Well, some people act like they're in adolescence for their whole life, don't they? Right? So maybe that's okay. And it's the same with our stages of faith. So the first stage of faith, trust. Okay, that is the very beginning we would not have come to church way back when, well, except for our baptism, because we didn't have much of a choice there. But when we were older and we could start walking, and like my story yesterday, when I uh, I could fight with my mom and make us late for church, but I couldn't avoid church, right? But in the end, 
I trusted my mom. I trusted that even though it was going to be really boring, that it wasn't going to kill me, right? Like, I knew, I knew that, right? It wasn't going to be the worst thing in the world. So I wouldn't be at church. I wouldn't know God if I didn't trust my mother. But trust has to go farther, doesn't it? Trust um, trust has to uh, expand. You have to start trusting maybe your priest. You have to start trusting people in your community. You have to start trusting people in the pews, in your church as well. Um, but who is the most important person that you have to trust? Jesus. God. Exactly. Why do you... How and how... I know how to trust people, right? I trust them, um, and if they don't do what I tell them to do, then I don't trust them anymore, right? No, okay, wait, that's not trust, sorry. We, we have to know what trust is first, and then we have to apply that to God. How are some of the things, how are some ways that you trust God? Do we trust God? You don't have to trust God. I'm not telling you to trust God. I trust God that I'll get home safe today from here. You trust God that you'll get home safe from here, okay? Have you ever had God let you down when you prayed to Him? Yeah. Yeah? But do you still trust Him? Why? Because he knows what we need and his will be done. Yeah, and that's a a step to trust. Because trust doesn't mean that that you only trust if they pull through their end. Because people let us down all the time, don't they? And we still trust them. Well, maybe we just forgive them and we don't trust them anymore. Maybe that's it, right? But for trust to be... A true trust, it needs to allow for that forgiveness or it needs to go deeper. Like, it's not really trust if we're just waiting for the person to fail us, is it? Because that's what happens is we, this person lets us down, this priest lets us down, this other, all of a sudden we're, we burnt all these bridges because our trust wasn't really a trust. It was just a contract, wasn't it? If you don't let me down, I'll continue to to uh, listen to you. And now all of a sudden, all of these contracts are gone. We didn't actually really trust anybody. And we treat God the same way. We have a contract with God. If he pulls through his bargain in the end, then then we'll go to church. But the first time God fails us, we're done. Is that real trust? It's not, is it? It's a contract. And that's, we treat people like that. And so that's why we treat God like that too. And so one of the reasons you're still at church is because it makes you feel good because it's never made you not feel good. That's why people have left because church has made them not feel good. It's made them lose Trust. It's made them, uh, 
lose trust in either God or the priest or people in their church. And so because of that, they have broken off that contract. They never had trust to begin with. They've broken off that contract. That's why trust is stage number one. Sometimes I don't even have trust. I was even talking with Father Charles on the way here today, and we were talking about different uh, realities that priests have to deal with in small country parishes. And I think I was realizing that sometimes I don't trust that God is taking care of me and my parishes. And so I'm no different than any of you guys. We all need to work on our trust. If we can't fully trust in God, how do we expect anybody to come back to church or us to be able to talk to people about this? Okay, that's number threshold number one. That's right at the beginning. And that's how the beginning is that hard. I apologize. This is going to take at least till Christmas to figure out, okay? Trust. Number two, curiosity. So now I trust somebody. Like I trust somebody who... Uh, came in and did the shingles on my house. They did a good job. I trust them. Now I'm getting a little curious. Where do you get your shingles from? Right? I'm going to start asking them questions. Where did you learn how to shingle a house? Right? Where, you know, uh, who's your, your great grandparent? Where do you come from? Right? We, we ask them all these questions. When we're cur- when we trust somebody, we start getting curious about them. And I noticed that with you guys yesterday, right? You maybe didn't really trust me at first. You're like, who's this priest coming in here telling us all these things, right? Well, maybe not, but... And then once you start trusting me, you got kind of curious about me. You know, where do I come from, right? Who are my parents? When we trust God truly... We start getting curious about God. You're never going to be curious about somebody that you don't care about at all. And so our people have, uh, they've lost trust and they're just not curious anymore. So if you say, hey, come to church and see what's going on this Sunday. Meh, I don't, who cares? It doesn't, doesn't mean anything to them. Okay. But now let's say you're talking to somebody who does trust. Okay? They, they trust you at least, right? They trust you. What are kinds of things that you can talk to these people about? Any guesses? Well, okay, I'll give you a couple first and then I'll see if you get any others here. The first is one of, when a person does trust, you can at least invite. If they trust you, you can say to them, hey, look at this thing we're having at church. Come on. They're not going to come for God. They're not going to come for the priest, maybe even, unless it's the priest they trust. They're going to come because they trust you. Right? They're going to come to church uh, because of you. But at least you've made them curious. So don't overwhelm them. They're curious, but they're not going to change. They don't want to change their life. They're not dropping everything and all of a sudden going to start coming to church every Sunday. 
but they're going to start being curious about why you spend all your time coming to church things. Why did you come to this retreat? What are you going to tell your family after yesterday and today about this? You know, um, you don't have to tell me now. The comment cards will be available after. No, I'm just kidding. You, you don't overwhelm them, but invite them. And, you know, you can give them a few answers, but don't teach them. Don't tell them that this is, uh, they, this is the best place. This is, you know, everything about all these things. Let them ask questions. You know, let them take the initiative. They're the ones that are curious. Just be with them. Don't assume they know anything about God. We only know a limited amount of things about God, right? That's why I'm assuming you guys are here today as well to keep learning, hey? Everybody is just on a journey. We're all just learning. Don't shame people or make them feel bad for asking questions out of curiosity. Just help them with the answer. They may not know nothing about your church or Father Charles or or God, right? Um, and these are people that maybe grew up and took all their sacraments and then left. They may still know nothing about God. So we go back to trust. Um, do you, do you know what real trust is? Who, and these are questions you can ask them. Uh, sorry, I think I skipped over that part. Questions you can ask people at the trust level. Who do you trust in your life? Do you trust anybody with anything? Would you trust people with your children? Like as a babysitter? Even do what, what does trust mean to you? Do you believe that there is a God who loves us? <coughs> Excuse me. Most of our people are at the level of trust. So I could, I could spend the whole time talking about this level of, well, level of trust and pre-trust it's called. People that don't even have trust. This should help us focus on whether or not we trust in our lives. Whether trust is even worth it. Like what, why even have trust? Let's just do contracts with everyone, right? You know, that's what a handshake used to be, right? And, um, and now, um, we have, we're, we have to go back to that beginning and teach people what real trust is. And God is like that. He, is faithful. And then we're going to have conversations um, with them about, well, what broke your trust with God or with the church? You know, what, what, where did you quit trusting? So then they might start being curious because they can see that you are full of trust. You're full uh, that trust that comes from God, and they start getting curious. So here's some questions you can ask at the level of curiosity. Well, what interests you? <laughs> Just like you don't have to say what makes you, what are you interested in about God? What are you interested in? And that's why I was saying yesterday, if your kids are, um, I guess it would be probably grandkids in dance or something like that, can God speak to us through dance? Yes, God can speak to us all the time if we're listening. And so 
talk to them about dance. You know, if that's what they're interested in them. Notice that they get happier going to dance than we do going to church. Why don't we just close the church and start a dance hall? Right? There, in Nakem this afternoon at two o'clock, there's, there's old time dance or something like that at the Pine View Lodge there. Right? Thank you, Church View. That's what it's called, right? And so, there people are finding their joy and their happiness. God is allowing them to find joy and happiness, even though their parents maybe quit taking them to church, right? And so, God takes care of us, no matter what happens, doesn't He? And we need to be there with them. We need to, and I know a lot of grandparents or parents they travel all around going to all these dance and sports things and and that's good but we need to make it a um, a point of contact and show them that we're going because of our faith in Jesus Christ that's why we're here on this earth that's why we had kids and grandkids that's why we're going to to visit you that and um, at your sports events because God has loved us and we in turn love others. Other questions. So what, what else, what interests you? You know, find, generally find out about what they're curious about. And that'll help you see where God is working in their lives. What makes you happy? What gives you rest? Those are probably for um, older people that you could use. Or I mean like adults, not Children, probably. But adults, you know, how do you find your rest? Right? So many people say, well, I work six days a week, so I go fishing on Sunday. I don't have time for church. Right? Does that actually give them rest? Are they getting the rest that they need? Um, and so, that's a question. It'll make them even more curious. And you can tell them, going to church gives me more rest than sleeping for three days straight. But you have to mean it. It has to do that for us. Uh, the the readings uh, compl- always talk about um, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures uh, to take to find my rest, right? The Lord is our rest. So I don't mean that mean I don't mean you're supposed to sleep in church, but you know you know what I mean, right? It should we should find our peace. Like it makes you feel good. Like I like that answer, and it should give you rest. And then we can talk to people about how they're maybe not finding that proper rest, you know. And you can make them curious. You know, I get rest at church, right? I receive that rest. I, not because you're falling asleep, but um, why do you think you were put on this earth? That's a good question to ask people that are curious. Get them to start thinking because so many people have just lost their way, lost the purpose, the meaning of their life. Uh, it leads to many things, divorces and uh, lots of, of complicated issues. Uh, because they've lost their reason for being put on this earth. 
That's a way you can have a spiritual conversation with people that's not a political one. It's not a religious one. It's not a one that's going to make them go, oh, this is just mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, again, just spouting all their religious nonsense, right? Um, and the last one for curiosity is, what inspires you? It's kind of a bigger word than just what makes you happy or how do you find rest, what interests you, but what inspires you. Do you guys have any questions so far? Do, do I need to take a little bit of a stretch break? It's sounding like it. Okay, we got uh, like just five minutes. Um, stand up.